0: Oh,
1: uh. all right welcome back uh this is the season finale of season one mm. write that shit down thank you for joining us this whole time if you are just joining us go back to episode one and yeah, hang don't out start, with,
0: don't start at the end <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: hang back. out with us for 30 some odd hours of us talking about movies and the writing of movies and screenplays and all that good stuff uh my brother Daniel who is um the my co my my co pilot, <laughs> <laughs> my second mate. Yeah. <laughs> no, just get into a long soliloquy of brotherhood. Yeah. Uh, uh, we've I've written a movie and now we've I've rewritten a movie, and now we're going to talk about the final rewrite and uh, what's next, I guess, for our movie. And then the second half, we'll talk about a early aught classic, The Salton mm. Sea. Mm. Um, which was written by uh Tony Gayton. So season finale, um, bittersweet, but <laughs> uh, it's fine. Uh stick around. Um, be be right back. Write that shit down. Write it down. Right it
0: down.
1: all right so the movie is written movie mm. has been rewritten movie is being finalized dan and i have met privately without you <laughs> <laughs> we met before to just hammer out a long cut list of all the stuff we wanted to change the big big arcs um a lot of stuff a lot of a lot of things we're adjusting. Um, just looking at the top, the
0: biggest one is that there is no longer a notebook. To too, too much of a paradox and an anomaly. How did it get there? What is the things it's like? Yeah. Especially with what we're going to do with um, jumping around the time arc even farther in like subsequent movies, like it would just get way too, way convoluted. too convoluted. Yeah. And I don't want to do the whole, like, you know, wave your hand kind of paradox. Oh, just move on with your lives. You're like, mm.
1: Yeah. Oh, don't yeah. mind that giant gaping yeah. hole in the yeah. space-time continuum of that. Yeah, so we killed the notebook. Um, just tie up some loose ends before we left town. No. Yeah. Um, and um, and then the other big thing is us going through and just removing the six montages we had. I think that's a little verbose, a little overboard. I
0: think it was uh, six Six too many.
1: Yeah, exactly. So we had an idea of not really making them montages, but showing the passage of time from like uh, a certain shot, a certain camera shot of it being stationary in a room and kind of the time is going as it's panning across the room. Mm -hmm. You see the time happening in that one area, which um, makes, if we're sticking with that, the montages we have now don't make any sense because it's like showing Sarah and Peter are extending their relationship, So it's hard to do that if they always are at the same restaurant or something, you know, or, you know, what yeah, I mean, yeah. like,
0: or in their apartment. So I got to no, work. You, could, you, you know, we can have it in the apartment thing. And then it shows them kind of coming and going, like sitting down and eating dinner at different times. And it's just, anyway, there's ways to show it.
1: <laughs> or we just get rid of them and say, what's the guts here? What's the most important piece? And then we just show that in another way that passes yeah. time. Yeah. Um, and then the other, other big idea that we came up with um so again spoiler alerts on our movie uh but at the end future alex is old yogi mm. and how we're going to tell the audience that is throughout the movie alex has a catchphrase he's going to tell to peter and basically say hey This is how, you know, it's me, you know, when they meet and, you know, multiple times we'll have that. So then at the very end, that catchphrase is something that he says to say, holy, holy hell, this is crazy. And then we end the movie just super crazy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like a catchphrase. It's just something that whenever he says it, you know that that's Alex. So then the whole time you see and you're like, shit, wait, Yogi was Alex. And then it's kaboom, you know, brain busted. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And yeah. then you turn off your HBO Max, mm-hmm. no, <laughs> or YouTube. Um, yeah, so that that those are the big additions that were, were going to be happening. And then Dan has been busy finally writing something. Mm. Took him.
0: Literally a year, yes. literally a year yep. writing things. It's yep. fine. I think it's, Benny. I think I think it was my overwhelming guilt that drove me to this point where I was like, hmm, yeah. I feel, I feel terrible about this. <laughs> I've contributed nothing.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, you've definitely been a soundboard of all of my ideas and the things I want to do. So that's great. No, yeah. uh, I'm glad it brought you to, to a better place to hopefully do some good work. I'm going to probably tear it all apart i'm just going right ahead um so dan's been busy we can talk about his contributions in a minute but the other big piece that we've kind of been leaving it's the big chunk of the movie um middle of the second act of them in california and them doing the work we just need to i'm thinking of gutting the whole thing and just starting over without that
0: which part are you talking about
1: like from the moment that they're like yeah let's do it Oh the like that, like like um,
0: past the whole like tour thing. Let's go,
1: yeah, yeah, or like kind of that toury bit too. Make that a bit tighter and just ma- I don't know. I mean, keep keep some of
0: the yeah, because tour- you're gonna you're gonna have to have more like kind of Boyd stuff and everything else that's there. Exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah. Of where like Peter's just walking down the hall and sees Boyd
1: in another room, yeah, yelling at somebody or, or something, yeah,
0: or, or yeah, starts to pick up on some shady stuff or whatever, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. So we have to. That's a big Big body of work that we still have left to do. Um, Mm -hmm. So if you were expecting this whole thing to be in a nice, neat bow, I got a newsflash for you. That's not how the world
0: works. But I think honestly, it's going to be to a point where we're going to get to, I don't know, we can probably rewrite this thing a thousand times. So we just have to figure out our end state of what we want to get to. Yeah. And then tighten it up as much as we can. But it's, I mean, you've seen the other movies we've done this. I don't know what, 35 times. Yes. That you can see that even after it's written and it goes to get shot, it's rewritten. So it's a constant, yeah. process, constant process. Right. Exactly. Um, so.
1: Can you speak a little bit about what other things you have written and what were some challenging things that you had to overcome in the rewrite process? Oh, sorry, throw
0: me on the spot. I got to go grab these notes. Stand by. You uh, entertain them while I'm looking. Tell them a joke. Uh, Tell him a joke. Um, Continue the joke.
1: Do you know how much a uh, new chimney cost? Uh,
0: it's on the house. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Did I get the dad weekly? Um, okay. Yeah, I'm just kidding. There's a couple other ones I forgot already. Uh, all right. Sweet. Let's see. Oops. Analogy. Enhance. Enhance. Uh, what did the fish say when it ran into a wall? uh
1: damn damn how do you find ronald mcdonald at a nude beach i don't know (laughs) he's the only one with sesame seed buns (laughs) yeah
0: all right okay so sweet. uh i started i essentially left the like the first part all to you because you were you were talking about the whole caliber and things like all right sounds like i was like he's got a good grasp on that Turns out you don't, and you're no. uh, garbage.
1: <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm flying blind on that, but I'm gonna take a hacksaw
0: to it, and we'll see what comes out. No, it's fine. Um, so uh, I started basically where Sarah's disappearance happens, uh, and then our whole thing was how does Peter get out of that place? Um, so I have it where we decided that Janice was gonna just start coming in and start ganking people. Um, so she starts shooting over the place up, and Peter escapes. Um, I have um. I essentially wrote it to where Peter uh, got out, got chased by Janice. I wanted wanted Janice to be there, so that way she's the one that uh, ends up dying as well. Uh, Because the whole thing is like, that they don't know what's going on with Peter, so they don't get any report back. So he basically escapes from there. Uh, They follow in a car behind them. He ends up getting shot uh, by them, and then that causes him to basically make a hard turn onto a switchback road. He starts speeding up the road, barely missing, weaving in and out of traffic. Uh, the other car gets run off the road, essentially, and he continues. Uh, and now he knows that he's going to ditch the car because, you know, it was like the, the boy car that Boyd gave them and stuff. So he's like, he's got to get rid of that. I even have a thing where he takes his wallet and throws it out. Just because, you know, he's basically being followed. Then that that led to whole, all kinds of complications and stuff later about, you know, how is he moving around? How is he getting stuff? So uh, anyway, he essentially... Uh, continues he's bleeding out but he gets away from the car and he continues walking he now uh, essentially passes out wakes up and now this is the hospital scene where he's in the hospital Uh, he's got the breathing tube in and he basically says hey you know where's my wife and then he realizes what's going on uh they take the tube out nobody says anything to him but then he realizes that he sees his he sees his chart his chart basically says that he's on a custody hold so, like, you know, he can't leave because the cops want to talk to him because, you know, he's a John Doe with a gunshot wound. They're very curious about what's going on.
1: This
0: mm-hmm. um, the whole reason we had him as John Doe, is that way they couldn't find him because otherwise they just find him in the hospital and come after him and continue to do what they're going to do. Uh, he realizes this, um, basically takes the clothes from the guy next to him, um, except for he still has his pants because uh, he has to have the letter. So there's all these, like, little, like, things. As you start to rewrite this, you're like, there's all these things, like, that have to be in place. It's like, start doing it. So it, it kind of gets, sometimes it gets convoluted with, I have to go through four extra steps because I have to get to this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then it's almost easier just to take out that original thing and then rewrite the piece. That's the part of like the rewrite, uh, kind of streamlining it and cutting it all back down. Uh, so anyway, he basically gets out of the hospital uh, before the cops can get there uh, and he dips out uh, and he goes back to, we have him go back to the lab. He sees, That the lab has basically been demolished and being rebuilt. Goes back to the apartment. Apartment's been ransacked. Looks like nobody took anything. They were just you can tell they were looking for something. Uh so then he goes back, starts grabbing a bunch of clothes and stuff, throws it into a bag, and then I have him go into the freezer and grab out a uh thing of broccoli, like a frozen thing of broccoli. And he puts his hand in there, he pulls it out. It's like a wad of cash. And then I have him say something about, you know, she's always ready or something, whatever. So whenever you're writing in some California stuff, there's got to be like some kind of conversation that, you know, is like, hey, always be ready. You know, like she's always ready or something. He's not ready or the, there's, you know, there's all these little things that we can that'll just they just basically connect the stories. Um, uh, but that she's always the one that's ready and he's never prepared. She always has a plan for everything, uh, which you can easily uh, add in there. OK, sweet. So. Now he's like, well, shit, I got that letter that tells him basically essentially to call Beth. So he calls Beth uh, and tells her, uh, don't go anywhere. Stay low. You know, stay out of sight kind of thing. I got to go to Minnesota first and then I'm going to go come to Boston with you. So he goes back to Minnesota uh, where he meets, finds Alex. They go over the whole discussion about what will happen. He kind of fills him in with everything else. Uh this is another part where we put the little catchphrase that we were talking about or like the sayings that way, just reiterations at the beginning at this point, and then at the end uh will essentially be when he says it. Uh then they decide that they go to Boston. All this is all pretty much what we'd already kind of written. Uh it's just now inside this part with the Boston part I had the part where it goes into Alex's background. Uh that he was uh essentially a special forces guy for a while. Uh did a couple tours, worked for some um you know, three letter agency type people, uh, and then got out uh, from there just mainly backgrounds so that way. When we have the, uh, lab heist, uh, thing, it makes more sense. It's just not out of the blue. Uh, so anyway, they get to Boston. Alex goes up to Beth's apartment, gets all the stuff, or basically gets the box or the, uh, thing that, that Beth was holding, and then they escape. I think this one also has another run and gun shootout. That one, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get rid of that one. Uh, because they don't, gas station one. Yeah, they don't need that. Uh, I don't think really. Uh, so I did add in a part where now he has the USB. So he has, it, there was a, what was in the box it was a USB bunch of notes and there's a key in there. Is that what you had?
1: Uh, great I,
0: question. I, I think, th- I think, I think I read something about the key. So then it just kind of sparked me into just another smaller kind of scene. Um, So she leaves her note thing and then he's like, well, most of the stuff's like encrypted and you can't get into it. Uh, And then she leaves in the little video note thing that basically says uh, all the stuff. And she says, you know, the whole like save me kind of thing. But I took that part out. So I added a, um, I'll never forget our first date and it's like, you have the key. And then I was all like, what is she talking about? And he doesn't understand. He's like, what is she talking about? You have the key. And then that's when Alex reaches in the thing. He's like, Oh, you mean this key? And it's a safety deposit box. Um, And then he realizes, she says, I'll never forget our first date. So he's like, I think I know where to go. So he pulls up to Veggie Galaxy, uh, which is where they were at for that first one. And in Boston, I'm assuming, did you look up Veggie Galaxy in Boston? Yeah, I did. Okay, so there's a bank directly across from there. So She has a safety deposit box, essentially, that she left him. And then that's what gives him the key uh, for that. And they start figuring out while that's happening. And then Alex is like, hey, you've... uh, Here's this guy. He's like, hey, is this your guy? And it turns out that Boyd is now in Boston for some kind of benefit that's in the area as well. So now this is whenever they go to confront Boyd. And for originally we just had a Peter do it himself. Now Alex is going to be there essentially as a backup. I haven't written this part yet, but uh, he's going to confront him about that. He's going to bring up the new lab thing and just notice that, you know, the way that Boyd reacts to it, like, oh, Peter knows more than he's saying kind of thing. Uh, And then he Basically, uh, the security guys come in, and James is basically like, Well, time to say bye, kind of thing. Uh, then, you know, basically tells these guys to take care of him, kind of get rid of him. Uh, so Peter fights off one of them for a little bit. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Alex comes kicking the door in, beats the shit out of the guys, or, you know, does his whatever, takes care of the situation. And then they get out of there. And this is where they start heading back uh, to Chicago. And this is where I stopped writing because I was tired. Uh, but essentially now he tells them, Hey, there's a spot in Chicago. We have to find it. And he's like, I got, I was like, I'll I'll get some guys on it. It's like, it's a 14 hour drive. Like we'll meet them there kind of thing. And this is where we're going to do the high scene. And I think, um, I want to do it. Like we talked about, uh, when we talked, uh, is it is kind of concurrent. So we don't have to do like the whole, like hey, here's the plan and then execute the plan, the plan and the they basically shot at the same time. So as they're discussing the plan, it's showing the plan and, and, and actual action. Uh, just to kind of streamline that a little bit. But there's a lot of stuff. And then we discussed that once they get in there, this is where they find some kind of other atrocity that's been happening. And now Peter basically uh, video calls or something with Boyd uh, tells him, if you go out for my family or anything, the world's going to know what you are. Uh, and then... They end up blowing up the lab because of that whole thing, uh, and then getting back to Minnesota uh, after that. And that's as far as I've written. Nice.
1: And what was the message you sent me a few days ago?
0: Oh, just how do we like how how did you uh get Boyd into the uh into the bathroom alone? And I we had the whole I think it was he stole some waiters' uniforms and did that. And I was just like, and it just seems very cliche, but then I'm also like, I don't know another way to. Get Boyd isolated for them to have that conversation. Oh,
1: um, Yeah, I was referring to your line. Writing is hard.
0: Oh, that is also what I also <laughs> said. I was like this because it's like I said, is it you just? It's like pulling a fucking piece of thread, and all of a sudden the damn thing's like completely unraveled, and you're like, Shit. right? like that doesn't make any sense now. That doesn't yeah, <sighs> you just start writing yourself into a corner. Think, and you're like, yeah, Shit. no, that's all.
1: All great work because those are you know some some pieces that just were. Not as sharp as they needed to be. The question I have about that safety deposit box, though. Mm-hmm. So she had to get back to Boston to open that up.
0: No, no, she already had it. It was while they were in Boston. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Really, again, I didn't. Well,
1: I didn't maybe even, just
0: don't have that be a thing. Yeah, but then it's more of a. It's the mystery thing involved with it. And then it's like the like Alex's reaction. I have him a couple, you know, react a couple times like, wow, this is like, you know, basically he's impressed with what she's doing. Because, you know, keeping it very clandestine kind of thing. Um, but, I mean, I guess I could take it out. But it's just, it was just something to kind of drive the, it was the mystery piece of that. And then it's the whole, I don't know, like I feel like there's too many, like there needs to be kind of these smaller in-between scenes that kind of connect all the dots and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that works. Yeah, I like your idea of the heist movie
1: happening at the same time as they're planning it. So mm-hmm. it's not to prolong that. That's great. Neato burrito. So we're going to run through and finish this up. And, and then, and then, and then write in some more things, I think. I don't know. What do you mean write more things? Well, it's like, so you have this finished body of work. Mm-hmm. Our first one, do we enter it into a contest? Do You know what I mean? Like, do we...
0: Go out to Hollywood and get representation. Let's, let's, do just, let's just move to L.A., dude. Let's just, let's just do it. Dive put, all, in. put all those eggs in that basket. Yeah. Um, do we get representation? We, I, um, I don't know. Maybe that's something we do on the off season uh, as we take a break. Uh, we we'll always try to figure out the next season and how that's going to run. Uh, and then we'll figure that piece out. A buddy of mine suggested
1: because going from zero to a movie is kind of a huge step. He said, um, what if you work on like a, a web series that you can fully create? What? So we basically write a web a story, right? Like a web series story that we're filming and producing. And make, instead, instead of writing a movie? Well, in, in parallel of writing these movies. So then you have this underneath your belt of saying, look at this thing
0: we've created and we've written and it's really good. Like a like a a mini like story kind of thing, like an anthology thing or what? Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: but it's like actually produced and. You know, I don't know, just an idea.
0: Yeah, I mean, so you're saying instead of doing the movie. I'm saying to
1: build some clout that we know what we're doing when we're writing things. Oh, so then it's like, oh, they I don't know or not. Or we just keep writing movies and we just figure it out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. Great. Well, I don't know. Cause, cause this writing the movie is difficult, but it's done. Now the next phase is the even more challenging piece of like getting attention on it, getting people interested in it.
0: I mean, I think, I, mean? I think, yeah, it's one of those, like there's gotta be like some kind of distribution thing or something. We can figure out how to get it in front of people if they want it or whatever. Uh, biggest thing is it has to be fucking perfect you know what i mean like is somebody's reading it and they're like this is doesn't make sense this is like whatever so we're gonna have to polish it even more and then while it's being there it's continued to be polished uh and everything else as well so it's gonna take a little bit of time
1: yeah but yeah during the off time we can do some more research and figure out what
0: what yeah. that is gonna be yeah uh speaking of next season do you want to do a preview for that or no what did you have in mind well i mean just to talk about the movie
1: that we we're discussing oh, the next movie. Yeah. Yeah, we could do a lead in for that. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next movie we're going to do is a comedy movie. And I I don't even know how to explain it because we don't have a log line or anything. But uh, essentially, it's a story of a man because we only know how to write for men. It's for a <laughs> man. Oh, man. Oh, my. Maybe I'll go on a retreat so I can channel my female persuasion. Feminine side. Yeah. Feminine mystique. The feminine mystique. God damn, I was just thinking that. Ten um, so good. R.I.P. Heath Ledger. Yeah. So it's a comedy movie about a man who is in a love. I wouldn't say loveless marriage. Maybe I don't know.
0: i will have to flesh out the characters. Well, okay. Yeah, you don't have to get into details. <laughs> so that. there's
1: this guy named Robert. He's bo- top uh, blood type O positive. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Universal donor. Um. No, go ahead. Continue. This is inter- this is entertaining.
1: So it's essentially you know how (laughs) you're doing great. great. She's doing great. You want me to do it? Well, no, I'm just trying to figure out how to explain it. So you have a list of celebrities you can have sex with. Okay. That's it. Everybody has this list of these six celebrities or whatever it is. So the idea is that we get this guy in a position where he can have sex with one of his celebrity people on his list tries to, you know, call some people to make sure that it's okay then he essentially blacks out and we don't know whether he consecrated that
0: or not um then it turns con- out consummated he didn't bless consummated? it no <laughs> he, didn't, he did not bless the
1: <laughs> well i'm yeah. sure he did he sure
0: want sure uh,
1: and then it turns out that that celebrity gets pregnant and um you know, then hilarity ensues because the ex-boyfriend is so
0: mad or. Well, so the whole point is that this woman is like a high profile kind of like dramatic in the news, like the tabloids and stuff for all the kind of fuck up things she does. And not necessarily fuck up things, but like, you know, the just drama in her life and stuff. Uh, turns out her ex-boyfriend is, I don't know, we're making some rocker or something or some other actor or something that maybe like an over the top actor or whatever. And now he's like obsessed with, you know, this guy. As he finds out about it and this whole like trying to keep everything under wraps, it's just, I don't know. There's a lot more kind of involved with that, but it's kind of just character development piece of like uh the guy is, in, like I said, he's in a marriage. He's in a, he's in a job that he thinks he likes. It's basically kind of office space-ish where you realize that it's not really what you wanted. You were just told that's what you want. And then that's when he starts to realize that, you know, so at the end of it, he comes out of it like basically not married anymore and everything else, not in the job he was, but you know, he's living a good life and it, it's a, it was a good journey to go through. It's essentially what I'm trying to get at. Uh, we can have know, a lot of fun with the like friends and stuff that he has and, you know, make some, uh, crazy character dudes and some other stuff as well. Just kind of those bits and pieces. So that's the biggest thing is I think whenever we write this one, it's going to be more of the character kind of development of what their roles are uh, and what their goals and their purposes of being in the movie are. So we can kind of write to that level. And then uh, flush out the big scenes. And then the biggest thing is, I, I honestly want to try writing this thing backwards. Okay. Starting at the end. So that way, whenever we're writing backwards, it's a, the scene that we're now writing is flowing into the thing we've already written, as opposed to the other way around, where we write and then go back and have to change things. Yeah. That way.
1: That sounds good. Yeah. I'll have that. Mm. Excuse me. What's your soup of the day?
0: <laughs> just flow.
1: No, that sounds great. And too, it's like if, if we get to this and we don't know if there's enough mustard on it, then we just scrap it. But I think there's something there that to build up.
0: I think it is too, but it's um and it's like you said, it'd be a shorter movie. It's not gonna be like a two hour long thing or whatever. And I mean you can include all kinds of like relationship stuff, like you know, relationship stuff with his parents, maybe struggle, you know, struggle, strife, that kind of thing. It's more of a yeah, like I said, it's not like just hardcore comedy kind of thing. It's just, I don't know, just a just a good movie. Just, just a, a
1: lovely romp. Yes, a little romp. Cool. Yes, yeah, so that'll be season two um, coming at you sometime in the future. Wouldn't say near, but the future. <laughs> um, so we're going to enjoy our lives for a while without all of you. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll circle back around next time we're in town. Great. So that is the stand of our movie of what's happening. All good stuff there. New movie. We're going to start now. Let's talk about the 2002 movie that I would imagine 98% of you have never seen before. Uh, the and Sea mm-hmm. written by Tony Gayton. And Tony also wrote in another amazing movie that should have been on our list, Murder by Numbers.
0: Oh, dude, Sandra with Sandra Bullock? Bullock. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And that uh, Heartthrob guy, I couldn't remember his name. Um, what
0: is his name? I can't think, but uh, it's the two guys, right? And one of them's like, like yeah. a pushover, and the other one's, oh, man, that is a good movie. It's such a good movie. Oh, I haven't seen that in um, time. So the movie's
1: The Salt and Sea follows uh, the arc of Tom Van Allen, trumpet player, goes deep undercover into the seedy uh, world of the meth addict and tries to hunt down his wife's killer mm.
0: um, just, a, just a good concept i think overall it's an interesting yeah. kind of thing especially uh the way that they lay it down and it's the whole you don't really realize that and they kind of just slowly reveal all the background stuff and it kind of builds and builds and builds until the very end and it's um uh, it, i think it's yeah it's, it's good and just from the way that it was written the beginning part pretty much sticks uh to the script and then the movie kind of goes a different direction, which I kind of like the way that the movie went with some of the stuff overall, just because it was a lot cleaner, I think, than what the screenplay mm-hmm. was talking about. And I think it's probably yeah. because it was a obviously a rewrite uh, based on that, but yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. It was it was fairly tight, um, but I think a couple things were really well done, like in the beginning where they're doing the history of uh, meth, yeah, and like how it came to be, and they they have the uh, voiceover in the beginning, and it's just. It's a nice way to get the audience up to speed, literally. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Um,
0: but I mean, yeah, they, um, go all, they go all the way back to like when it was created in World War II and all the other stuff like methadrine and everything else And it goes all the way uh, out to that section. And then it was this. Did this come out before you had to give your driver's license to get? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this was like meth was now everybody looks at like that's just a normal thing or whatever. But back around this time, because it came out in 2002, right? Mm hmm. Yeah, so this is like right around when that start with stuff, stuff was starting to peak uh, from that. So this is, you know, it shows the one scene where it shows the meth addict guy in the drugstore at 3 a.m. buying up all the Sudafed. Yeah. Uh, and then it shows the guy cooking and everything else as well, uh, which is interesting. So then they jump from that right into basically like a crank party. Yeah. And you, they're just a bunch of people sitting around in this room and everybody's doing the fucking meth. And it's all the different people. The best part is the sock arranging. Yeah. Where the girls are just sitting on the, on the couch and they're stacking the socks and then they're like, we can do it better. Yeah. And then they're just like, <laughs> they're just doing this stuff and they're going back and forth. And it, this is him kind of talking and going through this whole uh, process. And then it shows him in the back and, uh, he's kind of, um, showing, I guess the, what, it, you know, his daily life is now essentially. And what it, what's going through. And then, so the whole time we just think, oh, well, he's just, uh, connected to this because they've already did they go through the beginning part yeah it shows them everything everything's on fire around he's playing the trumpets you know it's some kind of fucked up story that's going to happen or whatever um then they jump right into this the screenplay never mentions like all his tattoos and stuff so i don't know if that was
1: yeah no it doesn't Um, up because it's like
0: i don't know i kind of like that part because it shows kind of the commitment piece to like getting into the part because he's essentially going kind of undercover into the world he's trying to infiltrate that thing the seedy underworld uh, of all that i really wish those tattoos were better but yeah 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 that one flame one is a little much yeah like that's marker dude yeah like, yeah that's, that's not- that's, yeah that's just painted on bro <laughs> and the only other change in that first
1: sequence um that crank party is like Cujo. in the screenplay he's like talking about like the alphabet and kind of geeking out about the alphabet and trying yeah. to like yeah. You know, they're, they're on a bender, like just trying to un, you know, figure out what life is all about. But in the movie, it talks about like quantum, you know, quantum physics and yeah, kind of like Schrodinger's cat kind of a thing when you're looking on something yeah, um, it's like changing
0: it and stuff. Um, um, but, uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that like for the Cujo part for Adam Wahlberg or Adam, um, Goldberg, uh, that that I think he must I don't know if they rewrote it or he like ad libbed a bunch of stuff but his stuff is always like different than what the screenplay was which is fine I think there's one part where he says that we're out of we're out of what we're out of we're, we're, out, of, we're out of drugs and then the actual line of the movie is we're out of gak and like yeah. that that's like where he screams it like that's a not a really good line uh, from there um, yeah. so once this is done then we reveal that they walk outside and it's like twelve o'clock but it's twelve o'clock in the day and they open the yeah. door and it's like the light blast and then you realize it's some stucco House in some suburbia area like you think you're like, oh, this is probably some downtown like, you know, I don't know, opium den kind of thing. But you're like, no, this is just literally right in suburbia.
1: Yeah. Uh, from there. And then <laughs> and we get to meet
0: Jimmy. Um, Peter screen- Sarsgaard. Yeah. Oh, my God. What a this is right around the same time as Garden State as well. Uh-huh. Which is another great movie. Yeah. Um, but uh, the screenplay does where it's Jimmy and Danny essentially meet at that party. Oh. Yeah. And I was like, I don't really like that. The movie has them already kind of being friends. And, you know, I think it kind of leads to more of a deeper thing as opposed to because later whenever they talk about, you oh, know, you're my best friend and everything. That makes more sense if they've already known each other before. them just meeting at this party or whatever. So it also shows that this has been going on for a while, which I think is better. So I like the way that the movie did that.
1: There's a line um, as they exit the place. They slink along like two albino v- rat vampires with sunglasses. <laughs> yeah. What?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then this is now they're trying to figure out, uh, they're trying to go score uh, some more stuff. And so then uh, Danny's looking for something a little bit bigger. Uh, and I think that's the whole point is like, he's kind of using Jimmy to kind of bridge his way into the thing to get, uh, essentially he's looking for a bigger fish. Uh, to string along essentially to, to get that. And they, they explain that in a little bit after this, but the first thing they do is they go meet, uh, Bobby, uh, Bobby ocean. <laughs> dude,
1: That whole scene is so messed up. dude. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Or just uh,
1: like this guy just tweaking and he like, they come into this hotel room and he's like, it's lady underneath the bed.
0: Yeah. They don't even...
1: In the screenplay, they don't, they don't mention it till the end of that scene. Yeah. But it makes it so much awkward when you know it the whole yeah. time. And like just, that, like... She, that
0: she's under there. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and this guy's just wigging out, thinking that there's spiders in his skin and just, you know, totally tweaking. Did, did, you, bring yeah, did you bring the plastic men? Yeah, did you bring the plastic men? Yeah. He's just out of his mind. So they get the drugs and they're standing and hanging out front of the window. And all of a sudden, the two spears just uh, hit the door and they're just like, got to get out of here.
0: Yeah, he's got the spear gun and he's like, oh, he wouldn't hurt anybody. And then they just shoot through the door. You're like, what the hell? Um. So they go back to now doing another kind of meth montage. Um, it's essentially showing that they go through like these binges of stuff. Um, I like the line where he says there's intimacy with those that can go the distance because, you know, all these people that like, kind of pass out. So it's like, who, who can, who can go the farthest and stuff. So, uh, after that, this is where they reveal now that he's a, um, informant essentially for the cops. Mm-hmm. And now you're like, okay, that's kind of weird. Cause again, we don't know what's really happened yet for many of this stuff. Uh, and this is like one of the best uh, parts where it kind of leads into this, where they ask him, what was going on? As he kind of, he, now he, ra- he's ratting out Bobby to kind of give them another fish essentially, uh, to go after. Um, and he starts ratting him out and they're like, what'd you see? And he starts talking about, oh, there's a bird pump. So he's like, he notices a shotgun and then it goes back and it's like revealing all the details that Danny was noticing and picking up. Um, like he says that, you know, uh, there's a couple, you know, there's drugs in there, there's guns. And then he said, there's also a kid in there. And then the screenplay just has him notice like an Elmo doll and some other things. But the movie actually sees like he can see the little girl in the bathroom through the mirror but we, none of this is revealed obviously the scene this is all just him like going back and, like telling the thing so it's just it starts that whole like perception hook of like what he can notice and remember and all those things Wow, which is pretty cool uh-huh. Uh and then uh, he ends up going back to his apartment this is where Colette his neighbor who's like uh, his neighbor who's uh got like an abusive boyfriend essentially is what he thinks um and they don't really say it but she's i think she's like a former tweaker obviously some kind of drug addict or something but recovering but um they don't really didn't really go in her background very much I don't think um
1: and this is yeah. like in this this scene this is when the pacing started to get a little different because that in the screenplay that didn't happen right away Yeah.
0: of us meeting this Colette person. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, There's a couple scenes, like there's one scene where he takes off Danny Parker. So he like takes off all the rings, takes all the stuff, washes all the shit out of his hair, puts his like clothes back on, and then shows him as Tom Van, Tom Van Allen uh, from there. And the other thing that this movie is like, that haunting
1: Seda that, that he's playing, that song, mm-hmm. it,
0: it's just so... It's so hollow and just haunting and it's just great. Yeah, it's a good kind of touch to uh, like an overtone kind of thing for the whole yeah. For the whole thing. Uh this is where now he's gonna meet with uh Tanner and Garcetti uh, after this and um uh Screamlin has him like in a park outside doing some stuff and they change it to a church. Not a big deal, but then this is now where they reveal that he's basically been a CI for like the last year. Um and they're kind of stringing along on like a uh possession charge. Uh from before, and that's like this whole thing is like that he doesn't want to go to jail, so that's why he's informing and doing that stuff. Uh, they tell him that the um that he rolled over on somebody at one point and ends up being one of the Mexicali cartel, uh, guys. So they basically like, Hey, you need to get lost. Uh, we don't know why this is a problem yet because he's like, Well, I can't get lost because he still hasn't found uh his wife's killers, they don't really reveal that yet. Um, but now he's like, Well, I gotta go get a gun, right? He's gotta get. Mm-hmm getting them stuff. So he goes to this, the, the, I think the screenplay in the movie calls him just the kid's arms yeah, dealer. Yeah. Yeah. Arms yeah. Dealer. Uh, but this is essentially now this kid um, going through his sales pitch and like, in like very technical detail of all the different weapons he has. And it's a really, really good kind of um, monologue essentially. Yeah. Yeah. The screenplay is even more detailed. There's like two extra weapons that he doesn't actually describe. So it's like, it would have been even a longer kind of thing.
1: Yeah. And uh, then but in, just, in, the all... screenplay, yeah, in the screenplay, this comes way later mm. um, than it does in the movie. So again, with the pacing stuff. But, but
0: the, the screenplay kind of describes it well, too, because it says, you know, it's just a very kind of like monotoned kind of uh, pitch. Like it's basically like a like you would if this guy walked up to your door and was like like door to door salesman kind of pitch thing. Uh, so I think that part's really I think that part's done very well. And then it also leads back to later uh, we come back to that same kid, uh, to kind of show a little bit of kind of suspense, uh, at the end uh, with that piece as well. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> there was one, one
1: other hit change small, but, um, in the, um, flashback of him, uh, Danny and Liz on the, you know, at the beach or whatever, when it's like, uh, they're wrestling on the ground and it's like, madam, you're a heartless wench. And then she goes, and you've got wiener breath. (laughs) And you're like, oh yeah, yeah. there's like, yeah,
0: there's a lot of stuff that they took out between uh, him and, um, uh, what's her name? Liz. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like basically his wife. Um, no, Nancy is his wife's name. No, that's his mother-in-law. That's his mother-in-law. Okay. That's right. That's later. Um, so anyway, they, they, there's a lot of stuff that the screenplay leaves out, like, um, that they were having a fight uh beforehand and everything all all that stuff is kind of left out uh and there's a bunch of other scenes like that and I think it's because it, it I think they do it I think they show enough of it to where it's like you know they don't need to go into that much detail with them uh, essentially keeping kind of more towards the present uh with mm-hmm. that uh so then we get introduced to Bubba um who's this uh Chinese cowboy kind of guy uh And now he's kind of the big, big kahuna. He's trying to set up the deal and everything. And then uh, he's got to basically now get a bigger hookup. Uh, So Jimmy introduces him uh, to Pooh Bear, uh, who's Vincent D'Onofrio. Which is essentially this guy who's done so much crank that his nose had to come off. So he's got a fake prosthetic nose that's in there. And the best part in this thing is whenever he breathes in and you just like that whistle. Yeah, dude. Whenever he's going, it's just those little cell things. And he, he like does like gasping breaths and stuff. So like Vincent Knopfro does a really good job. Yeah. Uh, with that part of it. Um, So we get to Pooh Bear's compound and they're shooting the little Zapruder film with the pigeons in the uh, limo. And they end up sh- filming it while they're like having all the shooters go. And it's, I don't know, it's a pretty funny scene. Uh, just kind of showing that these dudes are kind of batshit crazy. Uh, he goes in to negotiate with Kubert and they go through the whole price things. And just offer does a really good job of kind of playing the crazy, eccentric kind of dude um, and basically negotiates price. And he just kind of makes the whole like, this dude's kind of scary, but um, you don't know how far he's actually going to go until like later.
1: Yeah. And during the scene too, um, you know, he has him eat that bite of eggs and it's like there's some gray matter in there. And then he he alludes that this guy that crossed him before, tried to jam him up. Yeah. Uh, then he chopped him up in the breakfast. So then he's like sick into his stomach and then he reveals at the end of that scene that it was just, uh, cow brains that he likes to eat.
0: Yeah. Um, no wonder they're leaving there and they get the whole, uh, dude, I, I really like Jimmy's character just cause he's kind of innocent with that part, mm-hmm. and, and he asks, he's like, hey, hey, who's, who's JFK? Yeah. And he's like, you know, John Fitzgerald Kennedy. He's like, Oh, and he's like, Hey, yeah, he's a president. And then he's like, he basically tells him, Hey, thanks. Thanks for not laughing at me, Danny. You know, and then yeah. know, he's just, he's just a sweet guy. Um, which like I said, Peter Sarsgaard does a really good job. You no, know, with that. <sighs> um, then we go, uh, into the bar and they, this is Cujo's big heist uh, where they're talking about stealing the stool sample from Bob Hope for yeah. a fucking reason um, which is I don't know it's a funny part because it shows them kind of planning this whole thing and that this is the same thing as like they do the plan while they're showing the execution this is kind of how I would kind of not necessarily do it like this but something similar to that for our movie
1: mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. uh, to get to the end and he's like no I'll pass Basically, <laughs> like I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna go steal this poop fruit with you that's kind of weird but yeah. Um, um, yeah. So now he has to go back to. Uh, he's got to basically do like a small buy. Uh, he only wants ten thousand dollars because we get that again from Bubba. Uh, he's like, well, I, you know, I'm not going to give you, you know, two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars for that. It's like I want to test this guy out and does a small buy. He's like, that's not what we talked about. And he's like, shit, this whole thing's kind of starting to unravel a little bit. Uh, this is where Tanner and Garcetti uh, confront uh, Danny. There's a lot of stuff that with with those guys that was like rewritten. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the screenplay at this point has, it reveals that Bubba's listening to this whole thing. We don't really do that in the movie. We don't find out later. Uh, but we find out eventually that Bubba is a federal agent. Uh, the screenplay reveals it a little bit earlier. Uh, which I think the movie does a better job. Of that reveal uh, than what this was, because the screenplay has it kind of the camera track up through a vent into a different uh, room or something, wherever they're at. And then basically how they're listening uh, in on it. Uh, <clears throat> while this is going on, uh is essentially being followed. I think it's like a red BMW in the screenplay, but it ends up being a silver BMW. Um, turns out that it's Nancy's parents essentially looking for Liz's parents. Uh, Liz's parents. Sorry. Yeah um Liz's parents Nancy and uh Vern um this that there's a lot of stuff that was taken out from that it's a very shortened scene in the movie it's kind of a more elongated scene in the screenplay uh talking about all kinds of stuff uh and then basically Danny rats around says hey she's been driving around downtown it's not you know it's not safe and that's basically the end of it I think the movie or the screenplay goes there's a couple scenes with them uh where it shows them and they kind of cut most of that stuff out um, now we get into the point where they're trying to set up the bigger deal, but now it's like Pooh Bear's getting a little suspicious with some of that stuff. This is where he had like the the badger in the cage, mm-hmm. um, kind of thing. Uh, puts uh, makes Danny basically pull down his pants and put his junk in this cage while he's trying to like um, interrogate him to figure out what's going on because he doesn't trust him. He ends up ratting out Big Bill. Um then Big Bill ends up getting fed to the badger uh, as well later, and this is while they're kind of talking in the kitchen and this is the time whenever Danny's essentially prepping the the spot and he's taping the gun underneath the bottom of the uh of the table, which comes to comes into play later uh from that uh <clears throat> there's uh some other scenes with Colette that happen after this as well that the screenplay left out or the movie left out um and it's kind of a weird. I think it's more stuff that goes happens between Danny and Colette uh, where Danny's kind of standoffish with some of that stuff. So it's like, are they together? Are they not together? It's like this. And I think I think that's kind of a good thing to show because you're like, you don't really know what he's thinking uh, with the whole Collette thing because he wants to help her out. But he's doesn't really necessarily want to get involved either. Uh, So you flashback. I keep doing like flashbacks to kind of Nancy's murder. Sorry, Liz's murder. Keep saying Nancy. Uh, Liz's murder and then he kind of confesses to that to Colette and he's like hey you know he was a coward and she's like no you did what you had to do that kind of thing so this is where he gives her like a bag of meth to like fix her Uh, Quincy's her boyfriend is the one that's abusive so he's like oh well I'm just gonna give you this and you you put it in there and then page me on this number and then I'll you know, it'll we'll take care of it. So then the cops end up showing up uh, after that. The screenplay does it at a different point. Um, it has him actually talk to Bubba, uh, the federal agent, about having to work out. We don't really go into that detail. It just shows the cops showing up. So you think everything's taken care of in that point. Turns out that doesn't happen. So and that gets revealed later uh, from there. <coughs> um now they finalize, they're essentially finalizing the bigger kind of deal deal. And this is where they reveal that Bubba's uh, the fed. Mm-hmm. And then they go to the whole backstory about how Danny set this whole thing up uh, to investigate uh, Tanner and Garcetti. And then we figure this all out because there's a, you know, they're asking him questions about the murder and there's a red hair that they find uh, that's there. And he ties it back to what he sees as a guy in a gas station from before. And he sees a clasp ring and he connects it all and he finds that this is the Tanner guy, Gus Tanner but he doesn't want to go after Gus because now he has to figure out if Garcetti's involved. So that's why he basically becomes uh Danny Parker. So he goes through that, that whole deal. My question is why didn't they just run the DNA on that hair?
1: Well, he, that, that cop's DNA wouldn't have been in the system. I don't know. I mean, maybe that wouldn't have been, I guess. Yeah. And it was like 2000 something. So it wasn't like, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, but yeah, so Danny gets thrust into that life of it just shows a scene of him crashing into their car as they're on a stakeout and they're like, what the fuck? And then basically just gets into their world. And it's, you could see that he was the mastermind of this whole thing the whole time. And whenever he was tweaking or in that world, he was still in control of it and still aware of everything that was happening. Yep. Yep.
0: And then uh, that's the, so this, then the screenplay has him go. Um, this, the movie does the same thing, but it kind of gives $10,000 to Jimmy. Uh, to be like, hey, you don't, you don't need, I don't want you to go kind of thing. Um, and show the whole tattoo um, piece where Jimmy gets the tattoo. in uh, the screenplay in the movie, he just tells him, hey, I'm quitting. I'm done. You need to get out of this life. You need to move on, that kind of thing. And Jimmy doesn't understand uh, what's going on. And the screenplay actually tells him that he's never done drugs. And they go on that whole like kind of line where he's like, did you ever see me actually do anything? You know, I would always, you know, disappear in the middle of it. And he's like, "How? you know how did you do that? And it's like, well, these guys are all tweaked out. They wouldn't notice anyway. So basically like alluding that he never did any drugs, uh, which is a little weird. Um, cause I think, the, I think you kind of have to, sh- That's there's no way you'd be able to do that for a whole year without doing some. Right. And I guess the movie doesn't really go into that detail either. So it's kind of, maybe he did, maybe he didn't uh, for that stuff. So now the big final deal, uh, is happening. Um, uh, so he ends up, asking Jimmy for a favor. We don't know what that favor is yet. Uh, And essentially now it is uh, to swap places with him because the way the feds are kind of tracking Danny uh, as well, waiting for this deal. He swaps places with Jimmy because he's basically going to go do the deal with Pooh Bear by himself uh, because he basically wants to kill these guys Mm -hmm. Uh, because he knows that Tanner and Garcetti are going to come try to uh, jack the place as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, The thing I don't understand with the movie is did they give him the money? Or where do you get the money from? Yeah. Because in the screenplay, it has him cash a life insurance check. So it's basically his money mm-hmm. is essentially that he's taking, which I think would have been a better thing to show. Cause it's like, how, what, why else would I give $250,000 to this informant guy beforehand? Yeah. So the movie just kind of skips over that piece. Uh, so anyway, he brings the money uh, in there. And um, Pooh Bear is essentially going to just kill him and take the money is essentially what happens. He recognizes that he's about to get shot uh, ducks out of the way, grabs the gun underneath the table and just starts firing. And this is where everything kind of goes off the rails a little bit. He gets shot. Uh, they reveal that he's got a bulletproof vest on. So, uh, after that, everybody looks like they're dead essentially. And then Tanner and Garcetti come in, they end up killing Pooh bear. And now we're kind of flashing back in between whenever Danny's kind of on the ground between that and, uh, Liz's murder kind of connecting those two points. Um, and then now he is essentially there, uh, shoots uh, Garcetti and then uh, confronts Tanner. And he asks him, you know, it's like, hey, <clears throat> would you crawl out? Would you die with her? That kind of thing. <clears throat> and he's like, what would you do? And Tanner's basically like, you know, takes his knife out, stabs him. And he's like, I'd fight. And he grabs the gun from him and he pointed at him. And this is where we flash back to uh, the arms dealer kid thing, kind of having the whole, like, it's an eight round capacity magazine. He's like, or did I say nine? So he doesn't know. Cause then they go back through like, the sequence of the amount of shots that were fired. It was eight shots. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, is there a bullet in that chamber or not? Uh, ends up that the gun just goes click. So it's definitely eight rounds. Sticks the um, syringe of uh, meth or whatever into uh, Tanner and injects him. He starts to kind of convulse and gets onto the ground. He goes to pick up the one gun. He's about to kill himself and he can't do it. So then he just kind of unloads uh, into Tanner, kills him, and then he goes back to. Uh, his apartment. And I don't don't know if he's like there and trying to just grab all this shit and get out of there or whatever it happens to be. In any case, the door comes busting in and it's Quincy and Colette and how Quincy shoots him Uh, and has him basically like, Hey, you shouldn't have fucked with the Mexicali cartel. So that's the kind of connection back to that point. So he ends up taking getting shot in the gut uh, from there. Uh, the whole place is on fire and this is like how we kind of link back into the first scene where he's playing the trumpet and you know everything's on fire around him kind of part kind of makes sense. Uh turns out Colette was a rat as well uh, essentially for those guys. Cause she said, Hey, well, they've got my daughter. I had to do this. So basically set him up uh, essentially from that. Uh, so we've, cause we find out that later she didn't actually put the meth uh, in the apartment. So Quincy never actually ends up getting arrested mm-hmm. uh, from there. Uh, then it all kind of fades to white and it comes back in and out and you realize that he's being worked on by like paramedics. Uh, and then we see Jimmy and Jimmy's kind of helping him out, uh, as the paramedics are kind of rolling him into wherever they're going to do. The screenplay has the tattoo actually talk to him. Oh, <laughs> which is like a little weird, like, it, cause you kind of show the tattoo, so you know that it's Jimmy that's helping him, but then the movie actually has like the top ta- tack the, the, oh, yeah. the, the tattooed talk <laughs> which is which is weird um, but essentially now um, the life of Tom Van Allen is pretty much done because he got his revenge and he did his things and then Danny Parker the rat got kind of shot in the gut so he's kind of moving on and it just shows him kind of walking away and kind of ends at the salt and sea throws his trumpet into the water and everything yep. the, the screenplay actually has him go back to the diner mm-hmm. and then call there and I was like I don't really like that yeah because it's weird to be like hey the lady that just ratted me out and i took two bullets to the gut for her, i'm gonna go and have a yeah. relationship with her like no that's, yeah that's kind of dumb so i like the way that the movie
1: and just kind, kind of wraps it up and like like because he's like both of those people are dead so it wouldn't make sense for him to go back to a lifestyle that
0: yep like he's just he's just kind of moving on uh, which is pretty cool
1: yeah, and in the movie it was Danny Parker, and the screenplay was Danny Flynn. But yeah, that's something we see all the time of just names changing, and I wonder why. But I don't know. I don't know. Doesn't make a big deal. But I mean, overall, it's a good movie. I think, like like I said, the part is it's
0: it's the um the reveal I think is done really well. Like the peeling back of the of what's happening underneath the surface, uh, and then the kind of flashbacks do a good job of showing. Uh, the story kind of progression, which uh, you can see whenever they're writing it, how it's difficult to kind of show like a flash forward and a flashback and everything else. So it's that part's kind of difficult to write. Um, and you can kind of see like they changed a lot of stuff whenever it went to go shoot actually, mm-hmm. uh, the way that it was written. So yeah. Yeah. Just kind of keeping the timeline straight. I think it was a, it was a hard part of this movie. Oh, totally. At least, at least to write it
1: forward in, or you know back in time and then you're i mean for the most part there were yeah there were some sequences out of order from the screenplay but i think the way that they did it in the movie just tightened it up and it kind of kept it a bit more uh linear in that so it was easier to follow from what they did in the movie
0: than yeah. the screenplay kind of yeah.
1: other bits came before and you're like yeah the way that they worked it out and edited it is way better
0: yeah for sure
1: yeah, but yeah, great movie. If you haven't checked it out, we ruined it for you, but uh, you should still watch it. Uh, the Salton Sea, very under, underrated drug movie. Mm-hmm. Um, great. So that's uh, this concludes the the season of uh, Write That Shit Down. Season one, baby. We've written some shit down and um, wrote yeah, a lot of making, shit down. We did, yep. And we will continue to write more shit down. Uh, we thank you all for listening to us talk about things. Um, feel free to jump on the Instagram, send us a message, go to WTSDPod.com, comment on anything there. We'd love to hear from you. Any questions you have about the writing process, any any bit of writing that you want us to highlight, you can upload there as well. Um, and we'll be back When we're back, uh, subscribe to our email newsletter to get up up episodes as we release them. It's probably the best way to stay on top of when we're, when our flaky asses come back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, we thank you all for joining us and, um, we'll catch you on the flip side. Bye Bye. Bye.